You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast, your Nick Cage podcast. I am Derek. I am one of your two hosts. Ryan, you're here. You're my other host. All that is true. It is very exciting to be back. This is episode three of the show. For those who are new to it, quick rundown. We review Nick Cage movies. That's what we do. We're going to review every Nick Cage movie, regardless of the size of his role. And we do it using a spinner, the wheel o cage that'll randomly select our next episode. So follow our social media handles coming of cage com for all of that to find out what movie we're doing next in our first episode we did the unbearable weight of massive talent in episode two we did it could happen to you and today we are talking spider-man into the spider-verse from 2018 yeah this is the first one that we're doing where nick cage is less than like 15 minutes of time in the whole movie so that'll be interesting yeah it's a smaller role that's for sure that's for sure yeah. Uh, it's also the first movie that we've done that I had already seen prior to prepping for the show. Right. Well, I mean, we're you only know. three episodes in, so I'm just saying let's not go crazy. But yeah. yeah, I mean, we do have another we did another podcast years ago and it reviewed superhero movies. And so obviously this one was one that we did. Um, so we have discussed this one before, probably yeah. more in depth than what we will get in here. But yes. uh, we will see. So, so Mr. Cage plays Spider-Man Noir, who is a, <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say it. It's actually, it's my favorite incarnation of Spider-Man in the movie, just from like a creativity standpoint and a style standpoint. I think yeah, it's the just, wind follows him. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just so much good stuff with that character. It's like this fascination with the Rubik's cube and the color and everything is just, it's phenomenal. Um, did you know about Spider-Man Noir before the movie came out? I knew he existed. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know much about him, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was familiar that almost every popular superhero has had a noir or like, you know, we're a bunch of versions done of them. You know, Batman is noir in general, but he's had yeah. like some that are definitely like more noir styled. Um, you know, a lot of these big heroes have had that. But yeah, I always thought it was a cool outfit, cool costume and uh yeah, I was definitely, I was excited when I found out that Nick Cage was going to be, he's perfect for that role. So yeah, I mean, they couldn't have picked somebody better. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I, growing up, I was a really big fan of Dick Tracy. Um, and so this, this is obviously not Dick Tracy, but it's like as close to Dick Tracy as I think we're going to get in modern superhero films. And even uh, Dick Tracy is like, not that noir. He's like a detective. Yeah. But 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 not noir. So no. It's just the 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 time period stylistically is similar. You yeah, know? the way he talks and like mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, his, like the the speed at which he speaks and the terminology he's using. Yeah, it, it's very similar to you know, campy old detective stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I actually didn't know about Spider-Man Noir. Uh, for those that know me, like I've, I've always been more of a DC guy than Marvel. And so I've read a bunch of DC comics, but not so much on the Marvel side of things. And so I didn't know about this character and I was really excited about it. 
um so he he was created in 2009 the earth that he's from they call it earth war which i think is kind of funny the whole planet is a new R earth which has got to be really weird is the but... wind blowing for everybody there <laughs> seems like it loses loses charm right i gotta think it's only for certain certain people the worthy you yeah. know that's that's what i would have to say um but I don't know. I mean, where do you want to start on this one? Because like you said, you know, Nick's got a fairly small role, but this movie is just outrageously incredible. So how, how do you want to tackle this, Ryan? I mean, I don't know. There's a good way. I think, you know, we can just talk about the movie in general. And if there's specific things that are, uh, you know, we like about, or that reminds us of something with Nick Cage's character, you know, I don't know. It, this is a tough one. And I think we'll run into this in the future too, where, you know, we're, we're reviewing a movie where Nick Cage is only in it for 15 minutes or less. Um, but the movie itself is really good. Uh, yeah. You know, I went into this movie having seen the trailer and been blown away by the trailer. And I walked out of the theater just completely flabbergasted that, that something like this existed. It was just beyond the fact that it's a Marvel superhero movie the art style was just incredible the music selection was perfect i mean and you don't hear me talk about music and movies a lot i'm not as much of a soundtrack or score guy as derek is but uh yeah i mean everything about this movie just lined up it's it's a near perfect movie and uh i i love it i will watch it any opportunity i get yeah this movie so you know we saw it in theaters when it first came out and I was equally blown away. I mean, the movie is stunningly gorgeous. It is so tight. It is so well done. It's so unique. And it had been a while since I had rewatched it. I just hadn't gotten around to it again. And so part of me was like, well, I've probably blown it up in my head at this point. And there's no way it's going to be as good as I remember it. And somehow I enjoyed it even more. You know, yeah, there I, were little things that I, for me, there was little things that were like I picked up on, like with the animation mm-hmm. specifically that I had like little details that I didn't notice uh, or maybe had forgotten about potentially because yeah. it's been, you know, a, a couple of years since I've seen it probably. Um, but that yeah, for me, it was a lot of animation related things that I noticed this time going into it. What was it for you? Well, the the soundtrack and score really was noticeable this time around. I don't know how, I think because the animation is so striking and the voice acting on these unique characters is so spot on that they almost overshadowed all of the music and the music, you know, for a lot of people, myself included can become its own character in, in movies if it's done well enough um, or purposefully enough, you know, like you look at guardians, the galaxy, like James Gunn goes out of his way to make that soundtrack be part of the film to be the you know to kind of hit emotional notes and this soundtrack and and the score are just both stellar and i missed it because the animation is so unique and so striking that it was that that caught all my attention the first time around and so that was really cool um i I think just seeing all of the spider people together on screen with their different styles you know it's, it's funny because like you know now now we're in this world where marvel's doing weird stuff like that you know you've got um you know no way home and you've got multiverse of madness but back in 2018 i was not in a place to expect a big company to make something like this 
where you were going to see spider ham on the yeah this screen. really <laughs> this really kind of opened the door for the multiverse like you know it their dc was trying to do like a multiverse thing in 2018 um they you know there were talks about it with Zack Snyder's Justice League and and uh what they wanted to do with the future of all those characters and Marvel I mean they had kind of hinted at it but they hadn't done a lot with it but then this movie came out and and they I'm guessing they saw that the audience could follow a multiverse movie uh and even enjoy a multiverse movie and so yeah now everybody's kind of doing multiverse stuff and I I think that it's, it's weird because animation is this walks this weird line of being beloved, but also not really getting the respect that it deserves, you know, uh, and, and it still happens. It was talked about at this year's Academy Awards as well about how animation is cinema and into the spider verse was one of those rare instances where everyone kind of agreed that, yeah, this is a phenomenal motion picture. And then yet it still wasn't enough to really gain the accolades that some serious historical drama, you know, gets when you just throw some people in costume. And as someone who really loves animation a lot, it drives me nuts that you could put out this movie, the way this movie is made, and it still not be considered one of the best films made. Well, to be fair, it did win an Oscar. Um, not well it won best animated feature right not best picture. yes but i mean that's still an oscar and it's the best oscar that it could have gotten for the class of movie that was available to it i mean there's not ever has there ever been an animated movie in best picture yes okay yeah a few times before and, 2018 yeah okay i mean beauty and the beast won oh that's fair yeah um and so it has happened a couple of times uh I'm drawing a blank off the top of my head, which ones those are, but it has happened a few times, not a ton. It's certainly not a ton. I believe a couple of Pixar movies made it onto that as well. Well, not um, only did this have an animated thing going against it for that, but it also mm -hmm. had the superhero thing going against it for that. Cause we all know superhero movies don't really get nominated for best picture very yeah. often. Um, You're right. Those are two big dings. And when you throw in the fact that it's also, balancing that line between a serious story because there's some serious stuff going on in this movie and the ridiculousness at the same time with penny parker and spider ham that I, I think that goes against it too i don't think you can have john mulaney voicing a pig version of a superhero in a movie and win best picture no matter what else happens in the movie yeah. i just don't think anyone's going to allow that to happen that was something on this watch that I was like, you know, they couldn't have, I don't think they could have picked a better voice for Spider-Ham. I mean, really, they nailed it with all of the casting. I do still think that Terry Crews might have been a better choice for Miles' dad, um, but not nothing against the actor uh, that, that played his dad. I thought he was fine, but I do think that Terry Crews might have brought another bit of dimension to it. He would have had a really good voice for that, I think, but... Almost it's definitely all the Spider-Men and Spider-Women in the in the movie were uh, 100% spot on. Don't think they could have done better. You know, I love Terry Crews. I think the risk there would have been he he might have overshadowed Miles a bit because Terry's a he's such a big personality, you know, that I think that he would have stolen every scene that he's in. I don't know. He can play some dude also. 
he can play second fiddle. He's not beyond that. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think he's beyond that. I just think that, I just think inherently whatever you cast somebody who's just like a huge fan favorite actor, you just run the risk of him being the focus, that person being the focus. Maybe. You know, uh, I mean, an example is this movie with Nick Cage, right? Like you bring Nick Cage in to play Spider-Man Noir, that's going to get the attention of some people who otherwise wouldn't have really paid that close of attention. Right. You know, and I mean, it did for me because I was in my head. I'm, I wasn't really in a Spider-Man mindset. I was kind of burned out on Spider-Man, frankly, by 2018. I was a little over the character because he had just been, you know, we had had three live action Spider-Man and then we've had, now we're, now he's getting a new animated feature. And I was like, there's other characters. Let's just focus on other characters. So this movie really had to win me over and bringing in Nick Cage as Spider-Man Noir. I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. (laughs) Do you think he'll show up in the sequel? I do. I definitely do. I think it would be a huge wasted opportunity not to see, not to see all of them back. Frankly, I do. I think, I think that they just, they gelled so well together. And I know that like Penny Parker loses her mech. So we do see her at the end, like she's rebuilding it. Right. And so I think it's easy to say that she has it back. I think them teaming up again is just like a necessity. Yeah, they'll probably bring uh, Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland in on it, too. You think? Probably. At least one of them. Oh, man. That would be wild, right? Like, I mean, it's easier, obviously, to do that with animation because you don't have to worry about getting everybody in the same room. But are they going to do it like uh, Roger Rabbit, who framed Roger Rabbit style? Or, they, you know what I mean? Like, where they have the real actor in there? Or are they going to animate that? You know what I mean? Like maybe when they get transported, like Space Jam, when they get transported into this universe, they become animated or whatever. Oh, man. I mean, the door is open for that because in Multiverse of Madness, we do see an animated universe. We do. Spoiler alert for Multiverse of Madness. Sorry. Yeah, uh, fair enough. That that is interesting. That that would be so crazy. I I I would be I would not be surprised if we see that some of them in the film in an animated format i would be shocked if they did a roger space rabbit jam? kind of yeah mixture or no thing. you think they're going to do more of a space jam thing and, le- and less of a roger rabbit thing i don't, I don't know I, i'd be surprised if we see any real live action um and this actually goes back to the academy awards conversation again because if they do that they can no longer win in the animated category this happened to the lego movie which Phil Lord also did. So Phil Lord did this movie. He also did the Lego movie. The Lego movie was disqualified as an animated feature because of the end of the movie. I think, I don't know. I don't think they're going into the movie going, well, we can't do this because of an, uh, we won't get nominated for the Oscar. You know what I mean? It's a consideration. Sure. But I don't, I mean, ultimately I think if they're a movie maker, they're just trying to make the best movie they can the way they want to. And I think in this movie, they had so many different animation styles. You know, you get this crazy anime style, you get this noir style. Like, I mean, what's the next logical step? Having some live action shit in there to break up the animation, you know, what there's, cause animation can only look so different. You know, you can do, there's a lot of different styles out there, but eventually there'll be starts, start to be similarities. So, you know, adding live action in there would be an easy way to break that up a little bit. I would be surprised if they did that too, but, you know. 
or maybe they all go to a live action universe and we get to see Nick Cage, <laughs> Spider-Man Noir. Oh, oh right. Oh God. <laughs> um, I mean, I have, I have thoughts about that. I think oh, I bet you do. Well, I mean, man, that creates so many interesting things though. Right. Cause Haley, Haley Steinfeld, who plays Gwen Stacy, spider Gwen. I mean, she's already in the MCU. Well, but this action. obviously would not be in the MCU because well, it would be a Sony production. Yeah, sure, but Venom is kind of possibly in the same multiverse as is Morbius, right? So I think at this point, if it's a Marvel, if it's an official Marvel tied film, it exists in the same multiverse. Sure. Yeah, right? I think that's fair. So yeah, now they've used the same actor for different roles, they've used di- different actors for the same roles. Could Haley show up as both Spider Gwen and Kate Bishop? Sure, she could. Will that will will they avoid that? Uh, probably. Yeah, but I'm just that would, obviously I don't think they're actually going to do that. But how cool would that be? Oh my god! The mo- the moment I, I I walked out of the theater, I wanted to cosplay Spider Man Noir. I don't know why you haven't. Um, it's right I, up your alley. I, I mean, mean, we it, don't need to get too deep into the weeds on that, but no, yeah. I, 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 the, the truth is this came out in 2018. I wasn't able to pull it together for 2019 and then I got the married shut down. and then COVID hit. And so I haven't gone back. So this is definitely still on the list. This and negative man are there from a, from a wearability perspective are very similar. And so I don't know that I could justify both. If you're a new listener to this show, Derek and I both are cosplayers. <laughs> We're kind of getting getting into stuff that's not really movie related at this point, but yeah, we You're both right. uh, yeah. we both are into that. So that that you know we we may have Nick Cage cosplays at some point. We'll see. <laughs> I kind of cosplayed Nick Cage the other day because I I was wearing a uh, like tank top, and my if if you don't know what I look like in real life, <laughs> listeners. I have grown my hair out since COVID started and I kept trying to find fans that I could like wave my hair around <laughs> in front of and I was going to record it and send you a gif of it because that's Derek's favorite uh, thing in the world is basically Nick Cage with his long hair flowing like that and I was going to try and replace that his that is his favorite gif uh, but it didn't happen but it still could happen there. yeah there's time so there's time keep, keep your DMs open <laughs> So if you could uh, cosplay any Nick Cage character, who would it be? I mean, off the top of my head, it would be uh, Face Off with one yeah. of those sweet ass suits he got to wear. Yeah, yeah, he does dress pretty good in that movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So back um, out of the weeds, back out of the weeds, out of the weeds. Um, an- another guy who is well, actually, several people in this movie are pulling double duty as far as marvel stuff is concerned i guess but then they tease the big oscar isaac character in the post credit scene right. uh spider-man 2099 yeah which which is kind of interesting because just like a little note about production is kind of funny if you actually watch the credits he's in the credits but you haven't seen him yet because <laughs> he doesn't show up until after and so i thought that, that kind of gave me a chuckle what what kind of role do you think he's gonna have in the sequel i think he's gonna be like the main character that brings them all together and then end up being the villain that they have to fight or something like that. I like it. 
Yeah, I think because yeah. I mean, obviously, he's the only one at this point that can cross the multiverse, kind of like uh, the Scarlet Witch in the MCU. Mm-hmm. You know, the one that can go between universes. So uh, obviously, he'd be the one to no wouldn't. <laughs> it would not be a matchup <laughs> at all. Uh, but we're not going to yeah. go into any details there. No spoilers. No, for... no spoilers. But it would not be a matchup anyway. Uh, I think that he's definitely going to be the either the reason that they come together or he's going to bring them together, one of the two. I mean, we've already seen the trailer for the second movie, I think, or like a brief teaser or something like that. And yeah. uh, it's just Spider-Gwen. And I did hear a rumor that Spider-Gwen was going to be like the, the main focus of the second movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Originally, movies two and three were a part one and a part two of spider-man across the multiverse but they've actually split it into two different films which i mean that's no no difference to me right i was gonna see them anyway so yeah exactly i don't care call it whatever you want right (laughs) that's fine um what what else like so nick cage any favorite lines of his character from this one i don't even remember the lines but i did like when he they were all like beating up on miles and he's like I can't even remember what he says, but he says some like old school like boxing stuff that's pretty funny. I don't I don't remember the actual line, but I was cracking my myself up listening to that. I've I've got it right here, but there's no way I can do it justice. There's just yeah. there's just no way. But okay, little fella, Kingpin's gonna send a lot of mugs after you. I'm talking hard boys, real biscuit boxers. Can you biscuit fight boxers? Yeah, that's the one I like. <laughs> I like it when he called them biscuit boxers. I don't even know what that means, but no I, idea. it's hilarious. No idea. I, I like, actually want to start calling people that in real life and see what they say. <laughs> and he's like, surprise attack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that moment, it's hilarious, but also you're feeling really bad for Miles. Yeah. It's an emotional scene, right? Like, kind of, like, they're trying to push him to to kind of, like, you know, get his powers, essentially. And it's he's obviously having a really hard time. Yeah, as any of us would. And there's, I mean, there's some serious lines that could have thrown in here. Another thing that he says, like in that same sequence is, can you, can you close off your feelings so you don't get crippled by the moral ambiguity of your violent actions? Like it's, it's a funny throwaway line, but man, if you think about that line for a minute, that kind of calls out like the entire superhero genre. Yeah. You know, in like a really kind of heavy way. And he's just a kid. Miles is a kid, right? He's in high school. He's like 16. Yeah, that's true. It is a pretty heavy line, but I mean, I don't know that they were intended to be like analyzed. You know, I mean, I, not to say that you can't analyze it, but it does seem like uh, that's a little deeper than most of the other dialogue from the movie. Mm-hmm. There is one thread in here that is kind of interesting because it's all about like no matter how many times you get hit, you you get back up kind of thing, and right. That that always kind of hits home to me because it's it's in uh, Rocky Balboa. That's a big moment in in Rocky Balboa. There's a great little monologue with Stallone and the, Rocky's kid, um, where he talks about you know it's not it's not how many times you can get hit. It's how it's how many times you can get hit and keep moving forward, right? And I like that. I, I thought that was cool. But it was it was weird hearing all of these other characters also say essentially the same line to Miles. That felt weird. Right. I mean, it didn't really feel weird to me, but that's fine. I did like the line about how the wind follows him everywhere, too, and mm-hmm. smells like rain. That's a good one, too. 
That's a good one too. Yeah. 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 I love when he's on the couch going through the, the Rubik's cube and he's like, is this purple? No. Blue? No. <laughs> and he just gets frustrated. <laughs> and then it, what does it show him at the end? Like selling Rubik's cubes on his home earth or something yeah, like that? Cause he takes it back. And so I guess the implication there is that they can all see color. They just don't have any color on the right. earth. And so he brings over this colored object and they can all see it. And so it must blow their minds. But can then you imagine I, I'm pretty sure I saw that the Rubik's cubes he was selling were in black and white though. I don't think so. No, I thought I it was still only the one in his hand that was in color. Well, right. So I think like the posters and stuff are still in black and white because they don't have a way to reproduce it. So how are they reproducing Rubik's cubes then? Maybe he's not selling it. Maybe he's showing it off. Maybe. Yeah. That's right. True. It's right. It's like, um, like a, like a science fair kind of thing. Yeah, it doesn't really give us much information on that, but it was no. funny. But like they would have to figure, they, they would have to invent pigment. They don't have pigment. It's true. Right. Or how yeah, the first the first bit of pigment is going to be yellow, and then Dick Tracy is going to be a competitor oh. for Spider-Man Noir. I love Dick Tracy. <laughs> I know you do. Not the movie so much. The movie's fine, but I, I mean, I grew up on Dick Tracy. So I, shout um, out to Screen Heroes. Go go rewatch our. Didn't we review that one? We did. We did review it. No. Yeah, that movie is wild. <laughs> Such a wild movie. Yeah. Um. What else? What else can we take away from this one? I mean, I don't know. There's the, the, the since Nick Cage's role is so small in it, it's kind of hard to uh, to talk about the movie without really going off the rails and getting really far away from the the caginess of it. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just a really great movie, and I think that I'm very excited for the sequels, and I hope that Cage returns and that we can review the next two also as they come out. Because God knows we'll still be doing our reviews. That's right. That's right. And of course, the Spider-Man Noir spinoff film. Right, right. Live action. Right. Which, which you know, I'm sure is going to get greenlit. Any day now. Um, I do want to touch on the Uncle Aaron story real quick, because I think it's it's a really good subplot where, you know, Miles looks up to his uncle his uncle is like this cool uncle who understands miles and his dad just doesn't get him right because his dad's a cop and it's all about rules and everything and then of course uncle aaron is a bad guy he's not the big bad of course but he's a bad guy and man that moment on the roof when uncle aaron figures out that it's miles you know and he puts miles mask back down and is gonna let him go because like he could never hurt his nephew and then Fisk just shoots him in the back is just like, re- I knew it was coming and, it and was kills him. super sad. Yeah. It was still really there sad. There was a lot of that. I remember when I watched the movie, I was super surprised. They straight up like Kingpin murder Spider-Man in the movie. And they literally show, you could like literally see the corpse of Spider-Man on the ground. Uh, and yeah, same <clears> with <throat> uncle Aaron. It was like, that's really freaking dark for this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. It goes back to like, what I was saying earlier about how this movie walks a weird line because it has those really heavy, serious adult moments. And then they're juxtaposed with like when he's pulling the Jake Johnson, Spider-Man through the city and he's like, you know, rubbing his face on the street and he's totally fine and smacking into the, you know, the, the sides of buses and stuff like that. And like, yeah, they do that for physical comedy. Right. And he essentially shows no injuries later by the time they're eating at like the burger shop or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think I think if there had to be a criticism of this movie, there I could see how some people could say that it couldn't decide on a tone. 
mm-hmm. whether it wanted to be a comedy or whether it wanted to be serious or I mean, because you go from seeing, uh, you know, Uncle Aaron get shot to like Spider Ham five minutes later making a joke about something, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, yeah, I, if there was, I, that's not a complaint for me personally. I, but if I like, I wouldn't be surprised to hear somebody complain about that. But even that, like. <clears throat> I don't know. I didn't hear anybody when the movie came out even say that. But there are some weird tone, tonal shifts throughout the movie that you're just kind of expected to be okay with. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're right. I think it's hard to balance all of these different characters and universes they were pulling from because Spider-Ham by nature, like how serious could he possibly get? You know, there's right. there's some threshold to how serious that character can really be. And you know he's standing next to spider-man noir who at the flip side is like as serious as a spider-man is going to be uh in a lot of ways but the movie has to try and tug at your emotions right you need to feel invested in at least some of the characters but it's still a cartoon it's still a kid's movie so we still have to have our laughs and have a guy get hit in the head with an anvil right um i don't know what the solution is to that or if it necessarily needs one for me the only scene that really bothered me was when he's dragging peter b parker around uh after they get you know caught at the cemetery i feel like it's just a little much he gets a little too much physical abuse to have like zero repercussions afterwards well also i know you hate the hate kingpin just in general i don't care for his design i think he's a little too exaggerated yeah disagree yeah. Um, you had this on physical media, right? You watched this on, yes. on a Blu-ray 4k. Yeah. Um, have you watched the, uh, alternate universe cut? I haven't. In fact, I didn't even know about it until I was looking up stuff to talk about tonight because it's not on the 4k disc. I guess I'd have to pop in the regular Blu-ray disc for it. The only special feature on the 4k disc is the spider ham, uh, cartoon. Yeah. Did so you, you watch? Watched? I have not. No. I was just curious uh, what you thought of it, but no, unfortunately, I, we can't talk about that. No, we cannot. But yeah, it's a, it's an alternate cut of the film, right? Yeah. And it, well, yeah, it has a bunch of like uh, unfinished scenes, I guess. Um, it's supposedly like an extra twenty minutes of movie. So, you know, if you're a fan of the movie, then it might be worth watching at some point. I think it's something I definitely want to see now that I know it exists. I just didn't know. It's a huge pet peeve of mine with these 4K discs that they don't include the same content as their Blu-ray counterparts. And if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. So I, w- I would have definitely have checked that out. I might have even have watched that to prep for this since I had already seen the theatrical cut. Right. Because you know the differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of a missed opportunity because I don't get to come back to movies as much as I used to. So I don't know when I'm going to be able to watch it again. But now that I know that that's out there, I really want to see it. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'd be interested to hear what you thought about it. Might be, worth, might be point. worth watching it eventually. And then just you can use our Twitter to tweet out what you thought of it or you yeah. know, let people know. There you go. I like that. That's a good thought um with that though i don't know that i have anything else to add no i think we covered it all right well then we have to score the movie on our scale so we have the cage scale which is on two different numbers we have a quality number these are out of 20 a quality number 
So is this, you know, the worst movie ever made? Is this Manos Hands of Fate, Plan 9 from Outer Space? Or is this, you know, one of the greatest movies ever made? Uh, and then we have the caginess scale from zero to 20, where zero being very serious, toned down role, 20 being just the craziest off the wall, cagiest performance you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Ryan, how would you rate the quality of this film? I mean, it's pretty high, but there, you know, it, is, it, is it as good as some of like the Oscar bait type movies that he's done? Probably not. Um, I'd probably put it at like a 17, somewhere in there, 16, 17. Seventeen. So I, I'm right in that range as well. I was leaning more towards eighteen because uh, I think I think it's arguably one of the best superhero movies ever made. Yeah. Um, but you're you're right. It is really hard to compare this to The Godfather. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Example. Um, right. But uh, I'm going to give it an eighteen. That's what I'm going to give it. Okay. So we'll be right in the same ballpark. Yeah. Now. The caginess. This is a little bit harder because it's a smaller role, but where do you put the caginess factor here? Uh, it, it wasn't cr- like super cagey. I mean, he was he was a crazy. The character itself is kind of a oddball character, but he he was pretty subdued as that character. I thought he wasn't like super over the top, um, but I'd still probably put it like a thirteen or a fourteen. Where it was definitely on the cagier side, not the serious side, but it wasn't like super high on that cagey side. 13 or 14. Yeah, so I'll put it at 13. Okay. I think right. 14 is maybe going a little too far with it. So it's funny, we're you know, we're 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 fairly close on this. I was gonna give it a 12. Okay. Um, because I'm I'm with you there. He is somewhat subdued, but you know, he does play around with the accents a bit. He even went on record saying that he tried to, you know, kind of sound like you know Humphrey Bogart, you know, and play around with that type of accent and stuff like that. So he was clearly not playing like the straight man in the group. Uh, he was definitely trying to have some fun with it. So I think I think 12 is fair for me. So there you go. So that puts it at a 17.5 on quality and a 13, uh, a 12.5 on caginess. So there you go. So that puts it, you know, kind of still higher up it's it beats out it could only happen to you because we gave that a 12 and a nine and a half so okay in the in the ballpark of unbearable weight gotcha yeah i mean on our scale i don't know if there's really like a beating out necessarily it's it's just whatever you're in the mood for you're right you're absolutely right now the last thing that we have to do is we have to figure out what movie is replacing into the spider-verse on our wheel o cage So our wheel has 18 films on it. Each week I record a little video spinning the wheel, which will determine what movie we're going to review next. So comingofcage.com to find that. But we have a random generator to pull the next one that slots into the wheel because there's just too many movies uh, to, to pick from there. So the next movie to join the wheel is survey says. Ghost Riders, Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, no, not Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, God. I've avoided it for so long. Seeing your face was so great. When I said Ghost Rider, you got so excited. And then I said Spirit of Vengeance. And it's like you died a little inside. Yeah, you literally popped the balloon. Yeah. I've managed to go all these years avoiding that movie. But anyway, we'll go into that when the, if, if that one comes up. 
well, that's the thing. We still have to spin for it, you know? So yeah. it could be the next movie we do, or it could be a hundred movies from now. I was really hoping for Willy's Wonderland or uh, Teen Titans go to the movies, but yeah. You know. Well, I mean, we do have some, some recent ones on the wheel. We've got uh pig, for example, is on the wheel here. I know that's one of his more recent ones as well. So yeah, it is, you know, but we've got some old ones or some classics on here. City of angels, the family man mm-hmm. guarding tests. So, you know, give me there's, that, there's give some me good that chocolate stuff. cake. You'll know that you'll know that reference once you see the family man. But if you want to find out what movie we're going to be talking about next, make sure to follow us on social media at coming of cage uh, to find out what the wheel O cage picks for us. Uh, anything else, Ryan, you want to add before we stop? Nope. All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening everybody. We are the coming of cage podcast. You can find all our links at comingofcage.com. I'm Derek. That was Ryan. This is us. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.